Hey, I'm Joseph. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm Joseph. And I'm Steve. We're exploring a simple question. Why do people do what they do? Welcome to Working Title. The way we start every every podcast is just by you're you're on an airplane and you're sitting next to somebody and inevitably they ask, "What do you do? How do you respond to that?" Uh, uh, well, the true answer is that I always say I'm a writer <laughs> because it's a way to avoid saying. I'm a preacher right. because I'm not trying to be that guy trying to witness everybody on the airplane. <laughs> but inevitably, they ask, what do you write about? <laughs> right. And, and I say something like spirituality, theology, and then inevitably they ask, what kind of spirituality or theology or whatever? And then you kind of still goes there. But I say I'm a writer. <laughs> sort of to... Uh both because you don't want to be preachy and also because sometimes a four-hour flight is better if there's just quiet. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, like if, if, and look, I'm open to the Holy Spirit doing whatever, but you know, if I end up having a miraculous conversation with somebody about God and stuff on a plane, you, you just know, you know the Holy Spirit has initiated it because that is like, I, I, I think there's so much input in my life and output, like that tends to be more like, oh, this is my one space to like sleep and read and you know, like whatever else. So yeah. Well, <laughs> but, it, but it's funny cause I, you know, even you saying that now I, I'm afraid with my, the shift that's coming in my life to return to pastoral work, I might get to a place where I feel like with integrity, I'd have to say pastor again. So who knows? It could, it could still change. <laughs> well, it, I have been in a place before, whether it's, you know, at a coffee shop or on an airplane where I long to just be able to say, electrician game over <laughs> there's right. there's no follow-up questions it's just a it's just a gig because there's so much baggage that comes uniquely with pastor especially in american context yes <laughs> yeah i um so true I, i'd love i mean you mentioned what you're stepping into i'd love for you to talk about sort of how i mean and it's extremely current what's what's happening right now for you what the move that you're about to make it's very current. It's certainly happening in real time, and I just announced it to the world kind of like two days ago. So it's it's interesting because some of my friends and stuff are hearing for the first time, and it's still almost odd to talk about it out loud, but in, in an exciting way. Mm-hmm. So I am about to move from Nashville, Tennessee, to Oklahoma City to uh, plant a new community called The Table. It it kind of exists already. There was a core group that was already meeting about once a month and doing some really wonderful things. Um, it was actually inspired by some of them had visited. I did a little gathering, kind of a weekly worship thing called The Table for a while with some friends of mine in Tulsa, Oklahoma, when I lived there for uh, three years. And um, so it's almost like my DNA was kind of almost in it before, but I connected with these folks and they're spectacular. And it was interesting. Cause I just didn't know. I planted of course, a church in Charlotte 13 years ago, and uh, I don't know. I didn't know if I'd ever do that again, but um, and I don't, I don't know if I should say too much about this on a podcast in terms of educating people, but it's just been interesting because in the last probably six or eight months, I, I've just had a number of different 
opportunities in terms of ministry stuff well, doors that were not open to me before, like, you know, real jobs that I could have imagined myself doing and seriously explored and came pretty close. And, well, um, and it, it's, just, it's just interesting the timing because I think what I actually discerned through that process is as much as I like the security of stepping into something that exists mm-hmm. and the financial security in particular sounds so <laughs> great to me right now. But, um, I think I came to just like really discern, uh, gosh, I'm 40. I'm a lot more formed now than I was when I started before. I think I'm really particular. And I think I've, I think I've come to value my, my autonomy too much. And I'm just kind of feel like, you know, if I'm going to be in church ministry in some way, it's plan or bust. Yeah. Cause I think I'm too weird now to know how to work for anybody. I think that's what it comes down to. Well, <laughs> 10, 10 years behind you, but still feeling the same thing of, lot of opportunities and things that come up and thoughts that are, you know, especially with the idea of security. I mean, there's not that there's huge windfalls of money to be made, but you can, <laughs> you can get guac on a burrito bowl and not have to worry about it if you're working in yes. some churches and that's right. But, but you know, that sort of balance. So I, I love the idea talking about, uh, you, you brought up money. I, I don't know if you ever heard uh, the conversation that Krista Tippett had with Mary Oliver. I think it was on her podcast where she said, Hey, those first 15 years that you were, you know, kind of in obscurity, how did you, how are you doing that? And she said, Oh, well, I was just really poor. <laughs> yeah, I did hear that podcast. Isn't that great? Oh my, that's so great. <laughs> I she's, love that. she's like, I would just walk to the store and get a loaf of white bread. And I, I just, I know that there's like, uh, that's, it's easy to glorify and, you know, say that anecdote, but it's different to live in it. So is that something that was tempting to you? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, Here's the thing. And I feel like I'm in, especially, um, I'm maybe in a more candid mood than usual because I don't know. I feel like I'm having a good week and (laughs) I I continue to try to be more and more authentic about things. I feel like that just tends to be the best policy. You know, the last couple of years in particular, because I've done this sort of itinerant speaking and writing thing, and that's been all, like, for mm-hmm. about two years now, over two years. And it's so feast or famine. It's funny because, quite honestly, I feel like some of my friends who kind of see me from the outside, their perception is kind of like, oh, you know, you have a decent little following on social media, <laughs> yeah. and we see your conferences here and there. This must be going great. And, man, it's... Uh, you know, it's just not like that, especially because I think in this season, and there's no sense of martyr here. Like, I think I'm doing it's nothing like that, of course. But um, part of what's interesting is that I feel like me trying to be true to what I feel like God has given me to say and do just means right now I don't fit in um, almost any lane real easily. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it's, I feel like I just, I'm always a little bit too this for this crowd or too much that for the other and i'm just in a lot of and again not that it's not noble i'm just i'm just in a lot of these in-between spaces and so when you don't exactly have a tribe that owns you mm-hmm. and says like you know this is our guy and we're like whatever you know it, it really is a constant just a constant hustle so uh yes it is it has been incredibly tempting to just kind of do whatever it takes to try to make myself fit somewhere else um and yet, at the, on the on the tail end of that, I'd have to say that I think for me, on the other side of um, a painful divorce, and of course, I left Charlotte and all that five years ago. So much has kind of shifted my life. So much has kind of broken me open, and I kind of feel like now, 
uh, integrity as integration, just like living, yes, in, integrated, just together, like mm-hmm. all of me moving in the same direction. It's just too important, and I just kind of I feel like I can't uh, just soul wise. I just couldn't take it, you know, to deny things about my, me or my calling that for me are like uh, fundamentally true just for the sake of a, of a paycheck. I don't even judge people who do it. No, I wish I could. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I can't. You know, so. Yeah, no, that's, I, I think that, that resonates a ton. And I think what, you know, talk about people looking at from the outside, both fans or critics. Uh, I think probably what the, the, the critic of you would say would be, uh, oh, well, he's, He's just trying to be provocative for the sake of his following, and this following is mm. is <laughs> is giving him money. When in reality, it's like I'm being true to the message and to you know trying to have any sense of integrity to what I feel called to at the <laughs> at the expense of my ability to live. And and the, the struggle is in in light of that, and not the other way around. Does that does that seem like it's accurate? It, let, let me tell you something. No night evangelist at camp meeting with the prophetic word has ever read my mail any more than that, brother. <laughs> like, that is like, that is the story of my life. And it's so weird because I do feel like, and it's not all the time. Again, like, man, I'm, I truly am in the non cliche way blessed, and I'm happy and I'm thankful and I'm in a good place. Uh, but it, that is always the irony. Is I feel like if I, the, the, I do feel like my critics, uh, that would be what most I would hear most, like, "Oh, he's just trying to be provocative to get a response to this other," and it's just wild. It's like how it works exactly in reverse the way people think of that. Something like, and I don't have to go into this whole story. I'm not trying to take it there, mm-hmm. but for me, it's been such a good, exa- uh, such a clear example. Like um, when I had this little dust up last year with Jerry Falwell Jr. at Liberty. They did the right. whole thing in terms of all surrounding Trump. And so I'm trying to take it in, in an overtly political direction. But man, it was just crazy how tangible it was after that happened because at the time it, it fumbled, it truly just stumbled into being um, a larger story than I ever could have imagined. And like, you know, for a week that national news and all these crazy things are happening. That absolutely like the the effects that that had immediately on my life in terms of like just invitations I wasn't getting anymore other things that were canceled and actually I I, I feel like any kind of significant moment in the last couple of years um, that I've had where I felt really called to something because I'm a peacemaker by nature like I just want everybody to get along anybody who meets me I think it's they'll laugh about this a little bit because I feel like sometimes online or whatever I can come off a little serious when really I'm like a cuddly teddy bear and I like to hug and I just right. like, I don't, I can't send a steak back, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, they don't, you know what I'm saying? If I order it medium well and you sort of rare, I'm going to eat it because right. I don't want to inconvenience anybody, you know? Right. So it's really weird when like there's things about my calling that I feel like go so crossways against my wiring. Like I hate conflict and I don't like controversy. I feel like I'm more by nature kind of a bridge builder. So like for me, it absolutely has felt like these are things that as best as I can discern it, and I don't claim my discernment is always great, but it feels like the Holy Spirit has, has pulled me in some of these directions. There, it, It's much more like what Jesus said to Peter about, you know, the whole, uh, the time will come when, you know, someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not wish to go. Because a lot of these mm-hmm. places, I feel like, 
that I've been headed into are not places that I would choose to go. I, I absolutely would prefer comfort and stability and and being well liked and being well liked for sure. <laughs> right? Yes. Why? Who doesn't want to be liked? Do you feel like this last period of, I guess, at least a year of being sort of fully itinerant preacher and you know, at, like you've described, like finding your voice. Do you do you feel like did you wrestle with? Am I supposed to be that sort of rambling preacher prophet that's going out and telling the truth? Is that my primary identity? And I just have to, happen to have a pastoral heart within that. Versus, no, I'm I'm, and and maybe that's too much of a blanket statement. Like it's it's speaking in too much of absolutes, but. Is that a thought that you're having right now of like, I'm coming back into something that feels like home with this pastoral thing? Or d- does that question make sense? It makes so much sense. It 100% feels like coming back home. And I think I've known all along. And anybody who's known me well, when we've had conversations, I've said this. You know, in terms of my own theology, I don't really believe in being like a floating talking head i kind of disembodied i don't believe in it like you know like for all of for as much as i'm a product of a lover of kind of a lover's quarrel with the church Mm -hmm. i do deeply love the church and i believe in the local church and i believe that you know i don't think any ideas are worth anything that aren't lived out in community in fact i've had many conversations with pastors and church leaders in the last couple years where people say like well boy i wish i could just say that like you do or people even sometimes people feeling kind of bad like like maybe they're not being faithful and i've stopped many times and said look i don't think it's the same thing to lead a local community do some of these things i feel like i i i have to say them precisely because i can mm-hmm. because right now i'm not tethered right to a community in this way like i don't necessarily feel like i don't have anything to lose it's like i must but I, like i if i were in your place i don't know that that's what I would feel like would be like the faithful thing to do. But in all that to say, like deep down, I think I've always known that the pastoral calling on my life is very primary for me. And yes, I do think there'll still be some travel and I'm, you know, trying to finish my third book finally. And, you know, that kind of, and I do think there's an extent, you know, you are who you are, wherever you are. So whether I'm in a digital space or another town, I mean, I feel like I that, that, that pastoral thing is just kind of in me to of do. Of course, yeah. But I do think ultimately, like, being rooted and anchored in a local community and teaching the Bible every week and, you know, just just kind of really being the trenches of people's lives, I do feel like that's what I am ultimately most called to do. Yeah, that, that I, I mean, and, and I think there's obviously a place for both. I think there's people that will demonize, like, oh, well, you're just, you're not rooted anywhere, so you don't have credibility because you're not, but I mean, my dad's an evangelist. He s- travels full time and speaks, and uh, there's a place for it. But I think that uh, I just think it's interesting that you know, not not even going back like it's reverting as as if you could go back to something, but that there's a new, sure. maybe like a new fire, new new kind of um, new identity that's being forged. But it's it's back in I don't know, like Roar's whole transcend and include thing, but again, yeah. like happening again, and. I uh I I talked to Brian Zahn last week and when he was talking about his sort of big awakening moment that he had yeah and one of the things that uh that that he was t- kind of talking about is like the way he uh approached things after after he experienced this sort of awakening moment and yeah. I think that 
I think that the it, it seemed like anyway that he was playing with house money at that point because there's only one way forward. It's you're not ever going right. to go back to what it was. And so, do you That's feel right. like a new kind of uh, fervor or a new kind of uh, I don't know, like a, like a, a protection uh, against previous fears about how you would have approached this ten years ago? Now that you've you know been kicked in the teeth and back up and down and all that. I don't, I, I don't want to overstate this or sound like dramatic or something, but man, it, I don't know if it could be overstated. I feel like I'm an entirely different person. I mean, I, feel, I am a, I am another human being. I, I, I think about this all the time, the way that you sort of this whole journey. I think it's everybody's journey at some point in your life or needs to be. There's some version of leaving home and there's some version of loss, pain, mm-hmm. sin, betrayal, failure, whatever. That, 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 but then there's a way that ultimately you have to go back, but 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 yet not go back. I, I even this, I'm not going to go into my whole sermon here, but for a year or two, I feel like I talk about the Emmaus Road story and the Gospels so much. And I, it's, I've noticed in my preaching, I kind of like, I, I kept finding myself talking about the whole metaphor of leaving Jerusalem, leaving mm-hmm. temple and institution and all these things. But now I feel like when I'm looking at text these days, I keep thinking about how after they have this momentary encounter with Jesus and they see him with clarity for even if it is just for a second, then he vanishes and all this. They go back. They do go back to yeah. Jerusalem. There is a yes. time to go back, you know. And I feel like it is my time for that. And man, it's just honestly, there's a lot of freedom in it because I just think um, I, I, I know that like I need meta narrative too much. I need everything to make sense and map it out so I can, but so I don't want to make this too clean because I think you know in a lot of ways my ideas aren't all that different in some ways I've been talking about the same things for 20 years I just don't my theology has only moved by degrees uh, I, I think I've had like one major theological shift in my life um, I came to believe that God really is love mm-hmm. and uh, the rest <laughs> is just kind of been uh, there's just a trajectory that that follows like trying to follow the trajectory of love so it's not that my ideas have changed so much, but I just think, you know, the younger version of me had so much to prove and did so desperately need to be liked and affirmed and for everybody to be okay. And like now, I'm just I'm just so much more free than that. I, I, I not that I revel in being disliked or something, but I just think there's such a deeper rooted kind of sense of identity and I'm grounded. I was just speaking for a friend of mine in Marietta, Georgia, a couple of weeks ago, and we hadn't seen each other in like five or six years. Mm-hmm. And he was just commenting. He was like, man, you're just like a different person. Because what he, what he said was, it's like, I always loved you, and you're always super kind, but you seemed manic before. Mm-hmm. And now you just seem very settled. And it's true. It's like, I just don't, uh, there, there's just no sense of striving. If, if things in my life, uh, even leading into this decision, aren't working, I don't try to force them. I don't feel like I just don't feel like I have anything to prove, and that is such a different way of returning, you mm-hmm. know, than the way that I left. <laughs> do, do you feel like it's it's a it's an open thing that uh, that you don't feel like you have to craft this thing into something specific, but you feel the freedom to let this thing become what it's going to become, like a like a humility that comes on the far side of uh, struggle or pain or something like that. A hundred percent. I mean, like I, I have, I've almost let go. I don't mean to keep saying hundred percent. That's funny too. This is also different because I used to have defaulted to ambiguity is not a bad word to me, but I, I had so much of it before. 
I'm not used to having this kind of clarity. Yeah. But I can't say 100% because it's like, yeah, I mean, I just don't, I truly have no expectations about what it's going to look like or how it's going to look. The truth is I'm terrified about trying to plant a church in this polarized moment. Yep. I, it seems like a stupid thing to do. There's <laughs> a lot of me doesn't want it, uh, you know, because I'm like, how on earth? I, I don't know how to navigate a lot of the tensions of the moment pastorally. And I don't, in a lot of ways, I don't want to, but that's part of what's wonderful about it is that I just, it doesn't need to come out any particular way for me to feel like it's going to be successful. It's incredibly open-ended to me in terms of like what exactly the expression is going to look like. I mean, I think there's certainly like some, some things in terms of characteristics that I right. think have to be there. But right. yeah, like I'm still letting go of like any sort of paradigm of success. And that part just feels wonderful. It did not feel wonderful for a long time. I feel like I had literal years of free fall where um, I, I, I'm trying to just tell myself that this is going to be all right. Right. And that maybe it could still be going somewhere good. And now it's like, I don't know. It's just this, I, I, I've thought about this a lot in the last couple of years, like this sort of, uh, there's just there's a just a small shift between having your hands in the air and kind of saying whoa and having your hands in the air and saying we and that's what it feels <laughs> like for me it's like stomach drops either way but I feel like I'm moving from the whoa to the we to where like I, I it's, I've had a long time of not knowing what I'm doing now I just don't have anxiety yeah 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 <laughs> oh that's so good letting go I not to not to go too far backwards, but you talk about not wanting to tell people what you do on a plane and <laughs> the, uh, the, the reaction to that would, would probably normally be, well, brother, you're just, you're just ashamed of the gospel, brother. But I, I read this, uh, I read this passage from Christian Wyman's new book and he says, uh, it like opened something up in me. He said, reluctant writers, reluctant ministers, reluctant teachers. These are the ones whose lives and works can be examples Nothing kills credibility like excessive enthusiasm. Nothing wow. nothing poisons truth so quickly as an assurance that one has found it. And then he quotes Wendell Berry and says the impeded stream is the one who sings or the one that sings. I oh. I just love that so much. <laughs> because there and and I guess, you know, and people that are listening to this later will very much hear that you and I are excited because we are very similar but i and and we're also both in the process of planning churches but that right. is the thing that makes me feel like i'm not a lunatic that there's yeah that that not knowing is is a is a prerequisite for calling like yeah. wrestling with it is is a confirmation that you have it and yeah that that is something that is a huge source of joy or freedom for me. And one thing I wanted to talk to you about is just uh, something that you've, this kind of been, whether it's in sermons or online or whatever, that's been uh, a theme as of late, uh, sort of maybe after uh, your trip to Australia. But talk about joy in relation to all of this stuff that's been swirling behind the scenes with Oklahoma City. Is there something where when you know things were total maybe not totally but that were out of focus and now they've come into sharp clarity with what you're doing on this move has that was that linked to this idea of experiencing the joy of life 
so linked. I mean, almost uh, so linked as to be um, almost synonymous, really. Mm -hmm. Because I think part of what's happened for me now, and and this is why I feel like I have a, um, whatever it is that I'm doing, it's part of what makes it strange in this moment is that, you know, I absolutely fit the cultural profile. I'm 40 exactly. This is so weird to say out loud, but actually I I turned 41 next month. And um, I I feel like I, like a lot of my friends who are a little bit older and a little bit younger, um, I absolutely fit the profile in terms of the kind of person who, you know, became disenchanted and disillusioned with a lot of things about white evangelical culture and sure. uh, kind of gone through the deconstruction and all that kind of stuff. But part of what's so just interesting about the faith I'm in now, I just, um, I'm, I, I feel so free of angst right now. I feel the need to apologize for it. Cause I almost feel like right now, if before there was a time where, especially in church cultures, there was no space for lament mm-hmm. or weeping. Now I feel like I'm around people more to where like, um, everything is supposed to be in minor chords all the time. <laughs> Dour. <And it's> constant <laughs> brooding and angst and self-reflection and mm-hmm. heavy and all those things. And like, there's no expression for joy. One of the reasons that I love the black church so much and have been so shaped by the black church, I think is, you know, um, joy is so quintessential to mm-hmm. the whole experience. And, and the kind of, the, you know, which I don't know, I think it's, it, it, white people tend to be so much more self-conscious in our spirituality. Like there's no joy doesn't feel cool. It doesn't look cool, mm-hmm. you know, but I just think like, I, I find myself now in a place to sort of just like, Hey, well, what, what happened to joy? Is joy fundamentally a bad thing? <laughs> and even where I, I, I have deep disagreements with some of the communities that I come from or some of where I feel like some of that's drifted politically and ideologically. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not all that mad. And if you don't, if, if, I almost feel like I'm supposed to be, or if I can say it this way, edit if you need to, like, I'm just not pissed off. <laughs> right. And I thought that's part of what makes me almost weird among some of my contemporaries right now is I feel like a lot of them are mostly pissed. Mm-hmm. And I, don't get me wrong, I went through that phase. There's no, like, judgment. But that's just not kind of where I'm living now. It's sort of like um, I don't – back to what you were saying earlier about giving up on control. I think I – I, I kind of lost my desire or drive for the world to need to be ordered in such a way for me to feel like I'm okay. And um, I've kind of taken my hands off the steering wheel in some way. That doesn't mean there aren't things that concern me, mm-hmm. but I just don't, I, I just don't feel nearly as heavy all the time. But ironically in that weird way that God does stuff, I think the only reason I'm feeling this kind of freedom now is because I went much deeper into the anxiety. Mm-hmm. I, the pain got worse. And you know, and then the, the cold got colder and the dark got darker, you know, right. So kind of going directly into the thing is precisely why I feel like now I'm, you know, I feel like I'm kind of being reborn in a lot mm. of ways. Yeah. Is obviously you and I, well, not obviously the listeners, but you and I came from very similar backgrounds. You, you being church of God, me being assemblies of God, very charismatic, very kind of <laughs> the oddest, southern subculture weirdness that it would be impossible to describe but do you find i mean not not to quote roar again too much but the whole transcendent include do you find yourself kind of tethered to or connected to some of those old things that you couldn't go back to be in that place but you are bringing some of that with you now the the weirdest thing man is that because 
if this was what was happening before, I wouldn't have had the language for it. I think for a long time I was so struck by the sense of disconnection from my roots in some ways and all things that didn't fit. What's so weird now is I feel like I honestly, and I, I'm actually laughing to, to <laughs> say it out loud. I feel like I'm so much more Pentecostal than I right. ever mm-hmm. was. I feel like there is more of a uh, of a sense of God's presence. There's um, a deeper connection in prayer. There's more of a belief in healing and gifts and stuff like that. I feel like um, God gives me words and stuff for people in ways I wouldn't have felt comfortable. And part of what's really weird about that is that all that stuff got activated in my life through bottoming out. Yeah. So when I was at the place in my life, when I felt like I was keeping all the rules and doing everything I could to do it right, then I feel like all those things were super elusive. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of like when I was flat on my back and absolutely as low as I could be and um, full of self-contempt, yeah. <laughs> then these things start to happen in yeah. my life, you know? <laughs> so, so strangely, it has made me much more Pentecostal, not less, even if the external like cultural expression is different, like the the inward stuff, the interior stuff, and even, you know, again, this real dynamic sense of just the Holy Spirit being at work in the world. I, I'm much more in tune to that now and talk about more than I think I ever did. It is so interesting. It's like the, the people who may not, well, may no longer claim you uh, are are still connected to you in a weird way in the ways that it's you've gone past where uh they may have wanted you to but it's still in the same path that they started out on maybe they just weren't willing to go that that extra distance or whatever i say only slightly tongue-in-cheek they're responsible for it it's yeah like, you know <laughs> this is your fault and yeah. so then I had to I had to I had to do what you did, which I'm sure was disappointing to your elders at the time in some form, mm-hmm. and and try to be true to that voice. Stop me if this has come up before because I've told this story and I don't know it gets kicked around a lot. Have you heard or like I, I assume you know my friend Carlos Rodriguez? Have you ever heard the story he tells about this? I think it's so profound. Uh-uh, tell it. Okay, now so Carlos, um, who's uh, Puerto Rican. He he became a Christian under the whole catch, Toronto catch the fire thing, it's like the Toronto blessing. So yep, hyper charismatic. Mm-hmm. And the pastor of that you know uh, vineyard church in Toronto, John Arnett or not, I forget how the whatever his name is. Like he he directly mentored Carlos, and and so like Carlos was like his protege, you know. Um, and I'm using Carlos's language here. He would I think cheekily say, kind of token in a way too like he was kind of like he felt like he was sort of the you know i'm like the token uh latino guy to speak of these things but he's getting gotcha. these large stages in his um you know early and mid-20s and they invested in him in really wonderful relations all this kind of thing well uh pastor john gave him this word during that season of his life and i, I probably think about this about once a day right now <laughs> i think it's so profound it might be the most self-aware statement i've ever heard a human make, he said, and this, if this is not God, I don't know what it is. <laughs> he said, the day's going to come when you're going to come to me and tell me about the next move of God. And when you tell me about the next move of God, I'm going to tell you it's not God. When I tell you it's not God, it is. Keep going. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> Chills, man. That's profound. Isn't that 
that fantastic? Yeah. Yeah, I that is yeah, I mean that's extraordinarily meaningful and self-aware and has that 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 same sort of uh <laughs> that sort of tune that sounds like what God sounds like. That's really that's yeah. really something. I I uh I so resonate with sort of like when when everything happened with my son when he was born he was super sick and in the NICU and all that kind of stuff I tell I told a story a few weeks ago about being in you know looking at him in the box and him mm. may not be making it or whatever and them telling us horrible news and you know and I don't care how weird people think either of us are but you know not mm. not uh not I'm not ever speaking in tongues and giving words in church services and all that kind of stuff yeah. from my childhood but wh- what the hell else are you supposed to pray in a moment like that and finding myself right. you know praying in the spirit quote unquote mm. and and finding those things still deeply moving so I, I just love what you said that <laughs> that this is your fault you taught me this this is <laughs> You formed me, and I'm, yeah. I may be the black sheep. It's so weird. And even in a very small way, I don't have any kind of uh, following like yours is or the kind of attention, thank God. I, I can't, cannot imagine how annoying that would be. But the the kind of insinuation and the, the tongue-in-cheek things about you're a socialist or you, <laughs> you, right. you've gone off the deep end or you're political and I, – I have only talked about Jesus, so I don't know what they're talking. You know, it's just so right. funny to 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 say no. I, I'm still in the path that you are. I'm just a little bit farther down river. I don't know if that's the right metaphor, but it's it yeah. is the same stream. And uh, yes, it is. I think that's really interesting. Um, so, well, especially when you think, because I think about this all the time. How, like, if we really take seriously what Jesus said about the narrow road, right? That's part of what I feel like is very odd. Is that the stuff that often has the most crowd appeal and will and will get you attendance and uh, and money and all those things. The, the the stuff that I don't know people think of like maybe it's being controversial to the world or something, but they're not really like within church spaces. It's kind of how you get ahead. So I think it's weird. I think for some of it's like we're having to rediscover this idea of the narrow way, mm-hmm. and it's just weird when, especially though, you find that that's I don't know that you're experiencing that not in the context of like the church versus the world, but maybe even sort of inside the church, inside the house Yes, <laughs> that you're, you're made to feel marginal because you're trying to be true to your convictions. You yes. know, really it's just trying to be, have a clear conscience. <laughs> Cause, because otherwise don't, I mean, th- this isn't worth doing if, if God isn't real, this is, <laughs> this is not a fun path to be on. It's a lot more fun to let the dog off the leash and preach sermons that people shout you down at and that you get, That's right. you know, I, the, the thing that is frustrating for me is that the whole, uh, the idea that there's some, this centrist sort of thing that, that, well, you, you're, you're, you're being too inflammatory. You're, you're going too far there. There's another side to this as if there's never mm-hmm. a time to take a stand on something yeah. and to say something boldly. I, I, I just think, I, and you know, I just think that the path forward, I, may, maybe it's being ahead of the game. Maybe it's just, uh, maybe not even qualify it by saying something's better or worse, but just the thing that I've felt recently is just like, I, I have to look at myself in the mirror. I have to be, I have That's to, right. <laughs> this is me. I, if this isn't for you, then you guys do your thing. If I, 
I'm yeah. I'm so past all of the like demonizing mega churches and having that conversation. It's just boring yeah. to me. I, I I can't answer to God for anybody else. I just have to do right what's true for me. And so I guess question I'd have is like what not not strong arming something and saying this is the vision of what this church is going to be and then I'm going to fight like heck to make sure that it gets to that. But what are some yeah. of those hunches that you have early on in this new thing table OKC? What's what are some of the 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 senses that you have of what this community is going to be like? Well, well, man, I think um, they definitely are hunches at this point. But I think some of it is, I think it's going to be the most multi-ethnic, multicultural thing I've ever been a part of for sure, because mm-hmm. the core really is and. The, our little fledgling pastoral staff, and right now, just to be clear, none of us are getting paid from it, mm-hmm. but um, our fledgling little core, and it's a dynamic group of leaders, but, you know, uh, there's me, and then there's four women, uh, all of whom will have pastoral titles, and all of whom are very strong and anointed in their way, and our teaching pastor, Cece, um, she's black, she's ordained both kind of in the Disciples of Christ and Vineyard world, and she's just they're just a force of nature. Like she's going to be preaching once a month. So, you know, I think that like having that sort of, um, I think a lot more of the kind of a collective in that way and, um, r- real, you know, communal discernment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, um, the value as well in terms of everybody who's part of this core has done really significant, uh, justice work. And I feel like all that and a lot of stuff around race, I think like those, you know, all of that's very much kind of in the DNA of what we're of what we're doing. One thing that um, and this I, this might be new for somebody I don't know, but these conversations are so fresh. But I feel like it's interesting is that, um, and I mean, I don't I don't want to say this kind of in a uh, legalistic way, like it has to look like this all the time. But one thing that kind of we kind of stumble into in some of our conversations, like with our leaders, is that. Um, without any judgment and not that we don't have an appreciation for these things at all. But I think all of our, all of us kind of find ourselves a little bit over um, in the moment. Um, some of the kinds of praise and worship that we've done kind of like music for a long time. Yep. And, uh, but it's not about like kind of this return to hymns or something either. I think we've pretty much decided we want gospel to really be our church. Like, I love it. Like we want gospel, like outright yeah gospel and um yeah and so i'm super excited about that because i feel like what i see a lot in kind of more progressive church spaces um and i and i love that i love and appreciate is that ideologically everybody says oh we want to be diverse and blah blah blah, but would never uh, you know adapt in terms of the form of their worship in a way that could ever connect with a non-white person totally and i think you know we don't want to be diverse like theoretically yes like we really really feel like we're called uh, to that, you know, so I think like, the idea of, and these are stuff I just didn't know when I was planning a church before mm-hmm. I, I kind of thought, you know, uh, and I don't know, like if, 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 uh, if the worship and I, not saying it did, but it's like, if the worship sounded like arcade fire, right. well, still all kinds of people will be drawn. Mm-hmm. But, well, no, not really. Like, <laughs> people who like arcade fire will be drawn. Right. So it's sort of, I don't know. So a lot of that, I think you kind of just learn through hard experience, but those are things I'm excited about because I feel like, I feel like the community is going to be really open and inclusive in ways that people tend to find more in progressive church culture. Right. But I feel like it's going to have a 
power and a dynamism and a Jesus orientation and uh, an openness to the real presence and gifts of the Holy Spirit that people tend to associate with more theologically conservative spaces. So that, oh, that I love idea it. of a both and there is very exciting to me right now. I, I was telling somebody today in a meeting that uh, part of part of uh, part of me planning a church was just trying to make a church that I would want to go to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yes. not not specifically for me, but if sure. if I if I do that, something that feels true to me, something that feels like I could I could be in this space and not constantly roll my eyes, or I could be in this space and not right. cringe during like. There has to be more of me out there, you know. Yep. And uh, I think that's so great. I, 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 every every element of that. I don't know how anybody could be listening and not think that's that's worth pursuing. That's worth going to. That's <laughs> that's worth being a part of. Is there and not to get super pluggy and uh and buttoned up, but is there a way for people to support what you're doing right now? <laughs> With that, hilariously, it's so. This is so infant. I feel like I need to get the word out because I was literally about to move and it just like it's, but no, there actually is not a way to donate to the table yet. There will be very soon a website will be coming up soon. I would say like in the short term, if people want to attract me, my website's jonathanmartinwords.com or at the boy on the bike on Twitter, um, at Jonathan A. Martin on Instagram. I'll, you know, I'll certainly put everything up when that's there. Right now, if anybody, you know, wanted to support, one way that actually is meaningful for me personally, because, you know, I have not by any means raised the salary yet, mm-hmm. and I'm very much kind of in, in between right now. Um, we do have a Patreon for my podcast, Some of the Preacher Man. So anybody interested in supporting me personally, that's a great way to do that, and there's certainly a link to that through my website at JonathanMartinWords. Uh, dot com, but yeah, like uh, it, the table stuff will all be rolling out in about the next two weeks. That's so. great. Well, I, I'm just praying that that is uh, it, it is not the path that some people are, have to take with church planning of years and years and struggle. I just pray that you know everybody pitches in churches and ministry leaders and people. You know, even five ten bucks a month. That's something that I learned in fundraising that a ten dollar a month recurring donation means a great deal. So <laughs> absolutely. Um, well, Hey, Huge. I, I, I want to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I trust me. I've been there six months ago and it's, uh, you know, that's, I don't think people realize, you know, talking about Mary Oliver being poor, when you pursue something that is so unique and so different and you're not caught up in a system and you don't have, you know, big support behind you, uh, it, it's just really hard. It's it's just not the the clear, clean, easy path that you wish it would be. But unfortunately, and fortunately, it's a rock and a hard place because you can't make yourself do anything different. It's it is the thing That's that right. you feel called to. And uh, anyway, right. I I do believe that you know I just know that it'll it'll go and God will bless it and um, all that spiritual sounding stuff. Hey, uh, well, thank you, friend. I'll take it that seriously. That's a big deal. I appreciate the encouragement a lot. I really do. So, just a couple of uh, last things. What what what's the uh, what do you feel like writing is going to be in this next phase? Because you're not going to you're not going to go here and delete all of your social media and 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 not be a, a you know a writer and keep doing this stuff. Yeah. Is that something that you still feel really strongly about and that you feel like is continuing to be a part of your calling or whatnot? 
as strong as ever, if not uh, more strongly, you know. So like that, yeah. Def, I, I I feel like writing feels really crucial to mm-hmm. what I'm supposed to be and do. I like the idea of it all again, kind of being connected to mm-hmm. a community. But I still yep. feel like you know, even if that's the anchor for it, that that that's very much still part of it's supposed to you know, kind of go broader than than the local church too. So I love it. Uh, what's what's a guilty pleasure of yours right now? What what are you what are you? Mm. <laughs> it could be anything. What are you re- watching, listening to that you uh, you may not want to share, but is something that you love? Well, you know, I, I it I I feel like in my life I've had a lot of guilty pleasures. I know this probably doesn't sound like a guilty one, but maybe because I'm so busy right now, and there's so much to be done. Take any time for self, you know, can like feel selfish, right? Um, when you know there's there's so much going on, but. Um, and it's funny cause this is actually very connected to the move. Um, I have always loved the NBA, but I feel like the NBA is the best it's ever been right now. I used to say it was a return to the glory days. I feel like now it like might be better than the glory days. It's such a great time to be a fan. It really and is. And I love the Oklahoma city thunder, uh, already oh. just going back and forth to Oklahoma city. I've been catching as many games as I can. Um, I, I would be happy if I went to all of them. I think about the Thunder every day. I read about the Thunder every day. <laughs> I love I watch it. every game I can. And while <laughs> I don't have much time for this, when I can get it in and just nooks and crannies right now, I love to play NBA 2K uh, once again, season mode with the Thunder. So that, I love that. That would be my guilty pleasure. <laughs> well, and and Russ Westbrook is is actually not from this planet. He is a force of nature. Yeah, and then Paul George on the fringe of the MV, of the MVP conversation this season. The two of them together right now are just like wow. I, it's really it's really working. It's yeah, it's it's extremely cool. Um, give me one recommendation, something to read, something to podcast to listen to besides your own. <laughs> well, goodness, I would say because there's been so much right now um, that's kind of new to me that's been good. I mean, I know that you're a fan of on being i think we referenced that somewhere before mm-hmm. so maybe folks already know about that you know like um i just finished i binged all three seasons of serial i thought they were so good serial and slow burn i'm kind of I, i'm into but serial in particular i think in just uh, some of the stuff it's kind of getting to that sort of runs beneath culture right now i feel like it's really um it's just really wonderful um so that would be a a big recommendation podcast wise um, books. Um, I've been reading a lot again lately. Um, the one I've actually been enjoying most, maybe because my head is so full and there's so much going on. I, I just need the brain break. Um, uh, Stephen King and his son, Owen uh, wrote a book together called sleeping beauties. That's just great. I've got like a hundred pages left and it's, it's kind of apocalyptic and, dark in some ways and beautiful in others but i don't it, it, it's scratching the itch i love uh, it if we're like the kind of the moment i'm living in right now so, uh, so that's really really great uh and i think oddly even some theological themes there that i find really interesting and poignant so that's 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 super cool well i i have always uh i've always kept up with yeah one of the coolest things about the internet and there's a hor- there's a million horrible things about the internet is that early on even all those years ago when you were in Charlotte it's you you 
retweet or you link something to Cheryl Bridges Johns, which links me to Chris Green. And they're just all these people, these webs of people that like are concentric circles that keep going out. And I, I've always appreciated the, the, the stacks of reading and the things that you're listening to. I, I, I am shamelessly cause who cares a big fan of yours and just really appreciate, I, you know, in so many ways, it feels like we have similar lives just separated by a few years. Oh, yeah. And so I, you know, the whole Pentecostal, but still academic and I, yeah. it's, it's just, uh, meant a lot to me. And I, uh, I appreciate that. And for the very last thing that we always end the podcast with, which is very shamelessly stolen from Pete Holmes podcast. And I don't care. Is there, uh, is there some, is there a time, a story that you can think of that is a time that you laugh the hardest or your last super hard laugh can be a church laugh, can be childhood, something doesn't have to be a good story, just a hard laugh. Oh my goodness. I, um, just a hard laugh. Uh, you know, it's funny because this is a season where there's a lot more laughter for me. So there's, there's a lot more to kind of pick from, uh, lately than there would have been. Um, I think the last, and I just have to say, by the way, thank you so much for the kind words. That's really humbling. I do feel like we've been on parallel journeys for a long time. <laughs> and I, I absolutely think the Holy Spirit's in that. And you so encourage me with your work and your witness. I'm just, I'm grateful. So grateful we get to do this together. I think it's, it's, it's so cool. Um, but to answer your question, it would have to be, um, my friend Malcolm DuPlessis uh, convened this thing called Common Hymnal. I'm good friends I, with everybody next. I know Malcolm. A lot of, oh, yeah, yes, I, I figured you knew Malcolm. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like fences, probably. Yep. Um, and those guys, like, he's great. Malcolm and that crew is a lot of why I moved to Nashville to begin with, community. And so the other night here, we were having some drinks, and I had a, five or six of those friends over, including Malcolm. And Malcolm had a link to, like, this page that is all, uh, and it's, it's, it's old stuff, but basically from guys who work at CCM labels and all, it was like rejected material, it's all demos. <laughs> and, and oh my gosh, like I've, I don't know when I've left that part of my life. There was one, it was almost like a Danielson family thing where they're like, these folks are doing this like atonal kind of like singing in the spirit. And, uh, <laughs> it, uh, you call it just, I love you. God, I think was the name of the song. And I'm telling you, like, we, we probably listened to it 15 times consecutively. And then we started singing with, oh it. yeah. And, and like doing, kind of doing that all together. It's like Brandon from United Pursuit and my friend, Brittany Spencer and, uh, Malcolm and all. It was, it, that's one of the funniest things. I've ever experienced in my life. It was so, it was so fantastic. I don't, I don't know that I've ever even thought about how amazing it would be to get to listen to the, the, the sample tracks and the, the, the pitches that people send in to CCM labels. That's incredible. Back in the day, if you think about some of the stuff that actually made it, imagine what got protected. (laughs) Holy yes. That's awesome. Uh, all right. I, uh, I want to, one say I, I do want to come out to Oklahoma City and I want to visit your church in a few months and I'm very excited for you and I, I know that it's going to succeed and not just in I, I just know that it's going to be extremely important and I think it, it small things can be huge things and I think that there is a desperate desperate need for there to be people that are faithful and real and even if it has to stay small in order to stay real and not that it's going to 
I just think that there are, you know, the whole despise not small beginnings thing. I think that there is yeah. something really on it. So I, I, whenever I saw the news, I thought that is uh, something that's really, really cool and needed. And I'm very excited. Well, I'm making this promise, and I'm not just saying this. I'm really not being funny. If you come to Oklahoma City to see me, I promise you Thunder tickets. I oh, promise we'll go to a game. So that's done. happening. Done deal. And, and really, I get back to Charlotte, of course, to see my folks and stuff. Anyway, my last few trips have been real fast and in and out. But I really need to hang with you next time I'm there because I'm sure I'll get back to Charlotte sometime Great. within the next few months. But yeah, come to, come see me in Oklahoma City and we'll do a Thunder game. That's what, that's what needs to happen. That, and I'm just saying this. I, did, I don't mean this as a plug because I feel like this doesn't help me so much personally, but just – I'm saying this both that it would be cool for you to come if you could, and maybe some of your listeners uh, would enjoy too. And I, the only thing that made me think of it is when you specifically talked about kind of me um, sort of connecting people like Cheryl Bridges John. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Zahn's Water to Wine Gathering is coming again this June. I think that's June 13th to the 16th. They just announced the lineup for that uh, Wednesday, and I'm just super excited about it. Of course, Brian and Perry Zahn will be there, but also Sarah Bessie. Uh, myself, Cheryl, but maybe think of it, Cheryl Bridges John, mm-hmm. uh, Rich Villados is there. Just a great, great crew of folks. So that that would also be a great hang if you could. Yes. Make it happen. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely, I'll definitely try to make that work. And uh, if if you can, the listener, you should do it too. Um, yeah, buttertowinegathering dot com is the website. Perfect. Well, hey, thank you, and I, uh, yeah, please, please let me know when you get in town, and we'll we'll try to get lunch or coffee or something hey seriously i would love that that'd be great and i would love to have you in oklahoma city and i'm moving wednesday of this week and i've got a place and stuff so that that's Holy a smokes. very real on the table thing that if you want to come and hang uh, i'll do it you can even do that later just let me know all right sounds good we'll talk soon cool. great talk to you man have a yeah, good weekend you too all right bye-bye